chapter 3. I love, I have, I have fallen in love with the book of Proverbs. It, at first glance, it seems to be a very disjointed book that just kind of goes hither and, and, and thither and kind of, you don't really know where it's headed. And uh, I don't know that I've found a great outline yet that, that, you know, puts it perfectly. But the truth that is contained within is amazing. And I believe it would do us good to start by reading the book of Proverbs. Let's start in chapter 3 and let's let's start chapter 1. I, I told uh, the media team I was going to start in verse 5, but I feel like we need to start in verse 1 and go to verse 12. And then from there, we're going to get into uh, some of the s- stories that are found in the Old Testament and we're going to weave them together. But I want you to listen to the, the wisdom that, that King Solomon gave his son. My son... Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Here's the key. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with oil. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Be not weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As the father, and the as a father, the son in whom he delights. I want us just to pray before I take I go any further. I want us to pray that you would allow the Lord's word to speak to you right now. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word that's alive. We thank you for your word that is true and faithful and just. And I pray as we go into it, would you allow us to see it? Would you allow it to speak to us? And Lord, we're going to give you praise and glory, and we will thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Would you let me very quickly just kind of give you a few thoughts, a few notes, that as I read Proverbs chapter 3, these things come to me, and I, I think it would be good for you to see them as well. He starts off by saying, my son, forget not my teaching. And I believe that, that one of the, the greatest things that you and I, uh, the, the, the greatest kind of commandment or commission that you and I have is to teach the word of God to those that follow us. Tonight, uh, uh, I get to be on a different side of, of ministry. Tonight, uh, we're going to take just a moment out of our, our service and we're going to dedicate little Zeke and I get to be down there as my dad gets to do the dedication and, uh, but I have stood behind this pulpit and dedicated our young children and I believe one of the greatest things the greatest commandments for parents and grandparents and I would say even into the extended family and that is that you teach the children but watch what it says let your heart or, 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 or let your heart keep my commandments. I'm going to tell you right now, just as worship is useless if it's not from the heart, so is obedience if it's not from the heart. If you do something just so you won't get in trouble, I don't know that that's true obedience. 
If you uh, try to check off all of the checklists in the word of God so that you can make it to heaven, I don't know that that's true obedience, but true, uh, true obedience starts in the heart. And it says if you'll keep his commandments... Your days and years will be lengthened in peace. They will add to you. And if you look in the Old Testament, you will find that there was absolutely a blessing that was attached to obedience. And even though we are in the New Testament right now, even though we are in a new dispensation of grace, I will tell you that if you will learn to be obedient to the Word of God, your life will be much better. Yes, heaven is, is what we're looking for. Heaven is our goal. I understand that it rains on the just and the unjust, but I will tell you today that obedience to the Lord makes the path that you walk much easier to trod. Don't let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table, tablet of your heart. And, and can I give you the 2018 version of this verse? How many of you hardly ever forget your cell phone no matter where you go. Raise your hand. I'm telling you that you are never without your cell phone. Raise your hand. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how that is, ain't it? It's amazing how this little hunk of metal and plastic and rare earth materials becomes so ingrained that it hardly leaves our side. What other things in your life are like that? The, the 2018 version is learn to bring God everywhere you go. Learn to love him and let that faithfulness and carry it around as often as you carry around your cell phone. Maybe that's really hard. I, I have fun with, with, with I, I don't remember who it was. I, I don't know who, who it was. One of you, I believe it, it was here in the church, maybe not. Somebody put on Facebook that it was one of, one of the, the, the ladies' mothers put on Facebook and, and maybe it's no one here. Maybe I'm thinking somebody else. But she said, she said, it's interesting. I open my mouth and my mother comes out. I see that now. And in, in not that my mother comes out, but my dad comes out when I open my mouth. Because there were times that I would say something. And my dad wouldn't tell me right or wrong or yes or no. He would just say something and it'd make me think. And I do the same with Zane. And, you know, he has his phone. He'll say, man, I just forgot it. And I'm like, you don't forget your phone everywhere. It has to be that. On uh, obedience and faithfulness needs to be that way. Later on, we'll come back to that end. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. But I want to take you to two stories today. Two stories that are, are powerful. And, and I, I begin to read them. And, and, and as I read them, the Lord began to speak and, and show me the similarities to them. And I want to take you to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And, and I know that, that I've kind of talked a lot about Abraham over the last couple of months in various sermons but there's so much truth there the Bible says in Abraham or in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 of Abraham and I'm not going to read it verbatim but I think it'd be good especially if you brought your Bible to open it up and who knows you might allow the Lord to speak to you and you'll write something down but the Lord said to Abraham, this is the commandment that God said to Abram, and this is before anything else happens. You've got to start at the beginning. Watch what the Lord commands Abram. Go from your country. Go from your kindred. Go from your father's house. Let me, let me put it in a different way. Leave your country, leave your kindred, and leave your father's house, and you're going to go to a land that I will show you. 
I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And, and, and him that dishonors you I will curse. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The, the commandment to Abraham, and, and, and of course we know that he first started, much like others in the Bible, we know that, that, that uh, Peter was first called Simon and then Peter, and Paul was first called Saul and then Paul, and Abraham was first called Abraham. And uh, it's really hard for me to revert back to the Abram, so I'll probably call him Abraham, even though in the verses we're, we're studying he was not yet called that. But, but here's the promise. God said, if you'll leave your home, if you'll leave your kindred and if you'll leave your father's house and go to the land that I'm going to show you, I'm going to bless you. We love to focus on the blessing of Abraham. We love to focus on the fact that God gave him this great land. Abraham, take a walk. Wherever your feet trod, that's yours. But here's the problem that I have. And, and the, 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 the title of my message today is the danger of doing it my way. Danger of doing it my way. You ever told your someone uh, how to do something? Maybe you were you were giving them uh, instructions. Maybe you were even uh, trying to tell them that it, that that you know more of in a discipline type thing. If you do it that way, it, it's, it's not going to be good. You ever done that, and then they go ahead and do it their way anyway, and then they come back to you, and hopefully, they say, "I should have listened to you." But if they don't do it, there's this little bad side of me. That comes up and says, you know, that sarcastic voice that finds someone that's sitting with a mess on their hands and says, see, I told you so. The danger of doing it my way, because watch what Abram does. And Abram went as the Lord had told them. Sounds good, right? What's the next verse say? And Lot went with him. Lot. Lot was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Here's the problem. There's a lot of things in Abraham's life that would have been better if he would have done it God's way and not his way. Because here's one of the things that I'm learning, and, and I'll be honest, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I pray and, and I'm saying, Lord, as pastor, as shepherd, I've got to come and stand behind this pulpit, and I've got to lead this flock that, uh, uh, that you have given me, and I've got to give them a word, I've got to help them see, let me lead them. And sometimes God says, while you're leading them, I'm going to remind you of a few things, Brandon, and that is, too many times in our life, we fight unnecessary battles we expend energy that we weren't supposed to expend and Abraham had this problem because while we talk a lot about Abraham leaving Haran and Ur and Abraham leaving his father's house he also brought Lot and if you look at the relationship between Abraham and Lot you will find there's a lot of unnecessary battles that Abraham had to face he did it his way he did it his way and so it was that Abraham and his family and Lot and his family they left and they went down in the land of Canaan and they, they came and, 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 and there they, they, they camp out under an oak uh, tree or maybe even an oak grove there in Moriah and, 
and, and Abraham is, is praying and the Lord speaks to Abraham and again he tells Abraham to your offspring I will give you this land. Abraham makes a, an altar and, and there's that promise and Abraham you have this future is incredible. And Abraham journeyed on. But in verse 10 there's this little phrase and there was a famine in the land. Now, can I just ask you one very simple question, and would you please apply it to your life? And that is, do you believe the Lord's word is true? And the second question is, do you trust him explicitly? Abraham, if God said, I'm going to bring you into a land, and if God said, I will keep you, and if God said, I will direct you, and I will bless you, and if anyone dishonors you, I will curse you, then surely if a famine comes, you have to know God is not going to leave you hanging. But watch what Abraham does. Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the family was severe in the land. Again, I'm reminded of of uh, I'm reminded of of that story of Peter. Peter, Jesus is walking on the water. Peter comes and and, and or, or you know Peter yells out, "Jesus, is that you?" "Yes, it's me." "If it's really you, tell me to come out to you." "It's me." Peter slings a foot over the gunwale of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, and everything is good until the word of God says he took his eyes off Jesus. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. That analogy, even though that was a real situation, that analogy plays out in everything we do. If you will learn to keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of a famine, if you will learn to keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of a storm, if you will learn to keep your eyes on Jesus even when you've messed up, you'll find the walk is a lot easier. But the moment you allow your circumstances and your trials and your sin to gain the vision and get that vision off, you end up in Egypt. You end up in Egypt. And, and watch this. Now you've got this man of God that was blessed. I mean, we call him the father of the faithful, but as we know, there's not a perfect person in the word of God. Abraham goes, he's about to enter Egypt. He said to Sarah, his wife, I know you're beautiful. And, and, and when the Egyptians see you, they're going to they're, they're, they're want you. And, and, and they're gonna, you know, you, you, they've never seen anyone so beautiful as you. And, and she, she, she looked just like Sister Buford. I mean, it was just amazing. And I'm trying, trying to get some brownie points. And, and so it was, but watch this. This is where, this is where uh, uh, Abraham leans to his own understanding. Abraham, he thinks, now look, I'm going to walk into Egypt, and of course this is a more brutal, uh, chaotic time. I'm going to walk into Egypt. The, the, the Pharaoh, he can do whatever he wants to do, and, and he's going to see my beautiful wife, and, and if he knows that I'm married to her, he'll kill me so he can get my wife. So he tells his wife, why don't you tell everybody you're my sister? I would like to tell you something that you may not know. But if you will research a little bit, you will find that Sarah was actually Abraham's half-sister. And that's pretty common. We're in the beginning stages of the Word of God. We're in the beginning stages, and, and a lot of that took place. But here's the thing you need to understand. A half-truth is a whole lie. Abraham was able to justify the lie because there was half-truth in it. 
But here's the thing. It was the reasoning behind why he had to do it. So he goes in and he tells Pharaoh and all of them, this is my sister. And, and, and Pharaoh says, oh, she's beautiful and brings her into her harem. And God smites Abraham and his family and, and fi- or Pharaoh and his family. And, and Pharaoh finally, I don't know how he figures it out, he comes to, to Abraham and he said, you lied to me. You, you told me this was your sister and now the gods are mad at me. And, and you just see another time in which Abraham leaned into his own understanding. And, and, and you, you find the danger of doing it his way and you find unnecessary battles that Abraham had to face. You, you, you find, and I can't go through the whole story, you find that Abraham and Lot and their livestock and all of their servants, they were, this is not just a couple people, we're talking probably hundreds of people and, and hundreds, maybe even thousands of, of animals and livestock. They were great men, they were rich. It's this nomadic lifestyle and this Bedouin lifestyle and, and, and it's just, you know, you, you, you find a water hole and, and Abraham's uh, shepherds are trying to give their, their sheep water and Lot's trying to give his sheep water and there's fights going on and finally Abraham and Lot separate. Lot goes to the well-watered plains of Sodom. But in chapter 14, long before, uh, Ab- or long before Lot finds himself in the cesspool of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the angels have to deliver them and Lot's wife turns to salt and all of that. You find in, in chapter 14 of Genesis, you find that in the days of, uh, of the king, uh, there, there were several kings and I will butcher their names, I know, but you have Amraphel, the king of Shinar and Arioch, the king of, of Eleazar and uh, this other one that was the king of Elam and Tidal, the king of <laughs> Goam. You ought to be up here and try to do this. And, and so these kings, now again, these are not, you know, we're not talking about Middle Ages kingdoms. We're talking about small uh, feudal type systems in these nomadic places. And they, those kings made war with Bera, the king of Sodom, and Bersha, the king of Gomorrah, and Sanab, the king of Abna, and Shamar, the king of, of this other place, and the king of Bela, that's Zoar. And so now you have a battle facing, and in the midst of this battle, that Abraham and Lot had no business being in, Lot and his family are taken captive. Abraham, if you'd have listened to the Lord at the first time, your family wouldn't be in this mess to begin with. And Abraham, he heard it and he's figuring it out and somebody escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew that, and he was living there under those oaks and he said that, you know, your kinsmen have been taken captive and so Abraham, you know, he, 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 he thought, he said, man, I can't lot, let Lot be, be taken captive and his, his daughters and, and his wife and, and their families. This is awful. And so Abraham and 318 men that had been born in his house, they went to pursue and they divided the forces. And uh, at night they pursued them until finally Abraham and his men fought a battle. They had no business fighting. And they were able to deliver Lot. They were able to deliver his family. But the thing is, is sometimes, I know for me, and, and, and I, I guess I, if I was to be brutally honest and transparent with you, I would say that sometimes, Brother Hera, I, I lean towards the end justifies the means. That if everything at the end works out okay, then obviously it didn't matter what happened. 
And I'm thankful that Lot's saved. I'm thankful that Lot has been rescued. But here's the point. Just because God blessed Abraham and, and allowed them to rescue his family, you cannot ignore the point that Lot should have never been with Abraham in the first place. And number two, if Abraham would stop doing things his way, life would be so much easier. And of course, if you play that story out completely, at least with the, 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 the Bible that we have and taking just what we have. And I, I know that you know people could, could play the devil's advocate and they would say, well, if, if Lot stayed home, he'd be backslidden too. But here's what I do know. If Lot would have never gone with Abraham, Lot would have never ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife would not be a pillar of salt. Because sometimes when we do it our way, our families suffer. The danger of doing it my way. And of course, time doesn't permit, but I think you know this. You know that a whole part of Abraham's story is the fact that God had promised that your offspring is going to be that promise and, and out of you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed and, and they can't have children. They're now over 100 years old and, and, and the, ch the uh, Sarah is childless. And so Sarah and Abraham, danger of doing it their way, concoct a plan of allowing uh, uh, Abraham to be with, with Hagar which is Sarah's handmaid a baby is born of that uh, of, of, of that relationship Ishmael comes you have problems with Ishmael and, and, and all of this plays out it's Abraham doing it his way that's not the only place in the word of God that you see that and I want to take you now to another journey I want to take you to the book of Judges or book of Joshua rather We've, we've gone through the wilderness. We've gone through the promised land. You've already uh, turned to verse 9, or chapter 9 rather. But, but you've gone through uh, Jericho. Jericho has been soundly defeated. Walls falling flat. It's an amazing victory. Because of the sin of Achan and stealing the, some of the gold and silver and some of the Babylonianish garments when God had specifically said don't take anything out of Jericho. I could preach a whole other message about first fruits. Jericho was the first uh, battle that was going to be fought in this new Canaan's land, this promised land. And God says, the first is mine. You can have everything else, but the first is mine. There's some truth in that, the first fruits. But, but Achan, you know, sins, they, they go to Ai. Ai is a very small city, not nearly as big as Jericho, not nearly as fortified as Jericho. And they go, and in fact, they leave a lot of their guys home. They kind of have a, uh, uh, an excitement, maybe even bordering on arrogance. They go and they fight Ai, and Ai soundly defeats them. And they lose people, and they come back, and they can't figure it out. And finally, through them, uh, Joshua asking the Lord, what's going on? The Lord says, Achan sinned, and you have all of that. But Then they go back, and they defeat Ai. And so they are, they are conquering the promised land. I know that the Old Testament is a bloody book. I understand that. I, I realize that, that there's a lot of things that, that offend our sensibilities today. But God understood some things. And, and, and God said that, that if you're going to go into this promised land, there cannot be any of the world left in the promised land. That's why you'll, you'll read over and over. Go in, kill everything, slaughter everything. I'm going to provide. And it was God knowing that if a remnant 
of anything worldly remained in the promised land, eventually it was going to weasel its way like a cancer into the children of Israel. And, and so they, they go and, and they're defeating. But there's this town or tribe called the Gibeonites. This is chapter 9. I, you, you, can, you can follow along with it. The town and tribe of Gideonites come. God had very, uh, very implicitly said, you're not going to make any treaties. You're not going to compromise. You're, you're not going to make anything with these, with these people. I don't want you to have any accords with them. You're, you're not going to be best friends. You're not going to hang with them. You've got to utterly defeat them. The Gibeonites have been watching what's going on. They realize that they're next, if you will. And so the Gibeonites concocted a plan. They, they, they got the oldest shoes they could find and they put them on. They got the oldest, rattiest clothing that they could find and they put it on. They got the skinniest horses or camels they could find and they put dirt all over them. And, and they, they baked some bread and they let it get moldy and hard. And, and they, they, they got water flasks. And of course they didn't have canteens. They had these hide pouches that you could put water in and if you didn't leave them uh, wet they would dry out and shrivel and crack and they got all of this and the, the, this, this contingent this envoy of Gideonites comes and they go to Joshua this is verse 6 of Joshua chapter 10 and they go to Joshua they're camping at Gilgal and they begin to lie they said Joshua we're from a far country it's evident by our clothing and we've walked so much we've worn holes in our sandals and look at our, our starving animals. We have, we have done nothing but, but travel to find you because we have seen what God has done. We know that God is a God that is going to destroy it all and, and, and we, 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 we're so far away from you but we just, we want to be on your side, Joshua. We, we, we want to make sure that, that, you know, make a covenant with us. We'll be your servants. Help us out. Joshua says, no, no, I can't make any covenants with anybody in the land. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're from a far country. They never told you where they're from, but we're a far country. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 10. And I want you to look specifically at verse 14. The, the, the Gibeonites, they, they reach in their pockets and they said, look, I, I, it's customary. We ought to you know, break bread together. And they pulled out that moldy old bread and provisions that were, were just about barely, you know, they, they were almost gone. And they said, we don't have much as evidenced by our bread. It's, 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 it's old. We've been, we've been traveling for a long time. And so, but, but why don't you do it? And verse 14 says this. And the men, that's the Israelites, they took some of their provisions and here is the damning evidence. But they did not ask counsel from the Lord. That's all you need to know. They didn't ask counsel for the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Again, let me take you back to Proverbs. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. Let, let, me, let me help you out. You know what, you know what James, the book of James says? James chapter 1 verse 5, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. If any of you lack wisdom, if, if you don't know about a situation, if you're not sure, let him ask of the Lord, and the Lord is going to give you wisdom abundantly. That's, that's a paraphrase of that. Joshua messed up. He didn't ask the wisdom. He didn't ask the counsel of the Lord. And he made a covenant with the enemy. Somewhere 
later on in, in chapter uh, uh, 9, they find out that they're really Canaanites, they're Gibeonites, they live in the city, and, or they live in that area, and, and, and Joshua realizes he had made a covenant with the enemy. Joshua does the right thing because two wrongs don't make a right. And, and you don't make a promise to God, which is what a covenant is, and you break it. And so Joshua said, I'm bound by the covenant. I cannot, I cannot swear to God. And that's why later on, I think it's in the book of James, it says, why don't you just stop swearing to God because you're going to get yourself in trouble. But, but just, we're going to do it. And so he told the Gibeonites, he said, you told me you were going to be your servant, servant, so from now on, you're going to have to uh, draw the water and bring the wood for the sacrifices. And you can imagine how much wood is needed for the temple and the tabernacle and all the sacrifices they did. And it is. Again, the story ends good because though nowhere in the word of God do you find that the Gibeonites ever caused them trouble. In fact, the Gibeonites who were not God's chosen people assimilated into the culture and the, and the, 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 the religion, if you will, of, the, of these uh, Jews. They're, they're called later the Nephilim. And you can read in Ezra chapter 2 and verse 43 that there was a remnant of these Gibeonites that were, that were those original inhabit, inhabitants of Canaan's land and they came back from Babylon, they came back and they worshipped. And so somewhere them being around the temple and the tabernacle affected them. But here's the thing, just because it worked out in the end doesn't mean Joshua was okay in what he did. He did it his way. How many of you have heard the story about Joshua fighting the battle and, and commanding the sun to stand still and the sun stood still? Do you know that story? Those of you that don't, it's found in Joshua chapter 10, the very next story. See, there was those other kings there in Canaan's land, and they said, hold on, wait a minute. Gibeon made a peace with the children of Israel. We've got to go destroy them. They should have been on our side. And so these five kings wage a battle against Gibeon and the inhabitants of Gibeon who had made peace with Israel and that was a great city and, and they begin to, to siege the city of Gibeon and Joshua has to fight a battle that in reality he probably didn't have to face. Oh, I know eventually he was going to have to fight those kings and, and, and the Lord knows what he's doing and I'm thankful that even when we make mistakes, the Lord understands. But again, it was Joshua having to defend the enemy from the enemy because he did things his way. Because the ends do not justify the means. I'm talking to someone right now that, that as you look over your life, you, you begin to identify those moments where maybe you were an Abraham that, 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 you know, God said, I need you to leave your kindred. I need to leave your family. And you did accept Lot. When we get to heaven, the Lord is not going to take a scale, you know, one of those comparison scales, He's not going to take it and put on one side all the things you obeyed and all the things you disobeyed and as long as your obedience was more than your disobedience. That's not how it works. In fact, I find places in the Word of God that uh, later on in the, in the Gospels it said, Lord, these people are casting out devils in your name. And then later on the Lord says, not everyone who does good things in my name even makes it to heaven. Because the ends do not justify the means. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice, the Word of God says. And because of that, there are some of us, as we look over our lives, we begin to identify those moments where we're in Abraham who saddled with a lot when we didn't have to be. There's an Abraham that sojourned in Egypt when really if you'd have just kept your eyes on the Lord, you'd have been okay even in a famine in the midst of the promise that God has given you. You're going to have to fight battles that you weren't ever supposed to fight because God had a different plan for you. Sometimes I, I, wish, I wish that God would would just take us, you know, give us an out-of-body experience and lift us up over our life. And Any of you remember those old family circus cartoons where, where they call the kids in to eat and it's just like as the crow flies right there, but they show the little dashed lines and that kid goes everywhere. You ever seen that? Or maybe you've been driving before and you got hopelessly lost and realized the path you took was way farther than what you could have taken. I wish God would lift us up sometime and hover us over our life and show us how easy the path would have been if we'd have just followed him from the beginning. I know it rains on the just and the unjust. I understand that. Look at the book of Job. You're not going to be insulated from death. You're not going to be insulated from loss. You're not going to be insulated from trials and, 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 and things that come. But I'm telling you right now, in every one of our lives, there's are things that we have walked through and gone through that if we'd have just listened to the voice of God, you'd have never had to walk that way. So I'm telling somebody right now, if you'll start listening to the Lord, your life will be easier. The problem is, the reason most of you are agreeing with me is because you've already experienced the battles that you didn't have to fight. The reason the heads are nodding and even some glistening tears are in the eyes, the reasoning there's an amen is because you've walked at Abraham's path, you've walked Lot's path, you've walked Joshua's path and you've fought unnecessary battles and you're standing here in your life going, how did I get here? The danger of doing it my way. I have... I'll be 39 this year. And I've, I've, I've walked some interesting roads in my life. Some of them I'm still on. And sometimes I've said, Lord, I'm so glad you bless in spite of me. Any of you ever worship kind of like that? I'm glad you bless in spite of me. Because I, I mean, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm trying to live the, the word of God and, 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 and I'm, I'm following it. I'm reading it. I'm doing it. But, you know, there's those moments that I just sit back and go, Lord, that blessing, that was you and you alone. I didn't have anything to do with that. Then there's those other moments where I go, man, I'm in this mess because of me. You don't have to be. And then sometimes the weight of that unnecessary battle. The weight of the danger of doing it my way begins to crush. But I'm here to tell you today that Abraham 
and Joshua are proof that God doesn't throw the clay away. That when the vessel that the potter is making is marred, something happens. Surely you've seen a potter at work, maybe at Silver Dollar City or, or something like that. They, they begin to work and sometimes in the process of God's hands on our life, and he's, he, he, the, the whole point of a potter is to exercise power over the clay. The potter is making the clay do what the potter wants. It lifts the clay up. It, it smashes it together. It's enforcing its will on the clay. But I'm telling you, every once in a while, the clay resists. The, the hands of the potter the hard part that the potter is trying to soften stays even harder and when the vessel is marred in the hands of the potter I'm so thankful he doesn't throw clay away I look and I begin to read and I, I don't know if I, I, I do pray because sometimes in my brain I, I see how things fit together but the limitations of of my mouth hinder it. So I'm going to do my best to put these together. But if you would read Romans chapter 4, I, I uh, in fact, today, something very interesting, uh, Facebook has this time hop feature, and it reminds you of things that happened on this day in the past. And one of the things that popped up back on, on April 15th, 2009, was I, it must have been a Wednesday night, because I was preaching on Romans. Romans was the very first, the book of Romans is the very first series I preach as pastor of this church. And, and uh, I've I been lately been, been, been saying I need to get back and teach on Romans. I love the book of Romans. And it really doesn't, it, it doesn't do it justice to just try to jump in Romans chapter 4. Because really Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 all lead up to verse 4. Or chapter 4 rather. But please allow me just to jump in with two feet. And Abraham, the Bible says in verse 3, what does the scripture say? And it says this, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. One of the most important things in your life is that before your promise comes, before your end of life is, is, is realized, that faith and obedience happens before the promise. Paul, the, the Apostle Paul is trying to tell, because he's already, in, in, in chapter 1, he's telling us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and in the last days all these bad things are going to happen, and I mean it's just a mirror image of what we're going through right now. In, in, in Proverbs, or Proverbs, in uh, Romans chapter 2 it begins to talk about that God has judged the world and begins to kind of throw the Gentiles under the bus and then later on he says but you Jews you're not exempt either you failed and come short of the glory of God as well and there was a lot of them that said what well, we're from Abraham's seed we're, we're Abraham's children so everything's going to be okay and he begins to say it but I want you just to if I can I'm going to do my best just to kind of pull out a few things it says that in the Word of God, it says that uh, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Another place in, in, in the Word of God, in, in chapter, I believe it's, it's uh, chapter 11, 
probably should have put a, uh, how about chapter 9? There we go. I should have put a sticky note. It would help me a lot better. In, in chapter 9, Paul begins to talk about the sovereign choice of God. And it says that, that you are children of Abraham, but, but right now in a spiritual sense, God is not going to judge you because you're a physical child of Abraham. He's talking to the Jews. He's saying, just because you can say I'm from Abraham and I'm from Isaac, that doesn't mean anything right now. He says because uh, 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 Isaac was a child of the promise, but Ishmael was a child of the flesh. And, and, and this is more than just genealogy. This is a, an analogy that God wants to remind each and every one of us here today. God doesn't like the flesh. The flesh represents all of those decisions I made. The flesh represents the times that, that I was Frank Sinatra and I did it my way. Ishmael is Ishmael because Abraham said, God, you're not working fast enough. I've got to help you out. Isaac is when you do things God's way. Again, and, and, and in, this, in this time and age, it just doesn't make sense that, that God uses a phrase like, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. But what I believe you and I need to take out of that is that God cannot stand it when our flesh makes the decisions for us. Remember Esau? The one that sold his future for a little bowl of soup, a bowl of porridge. And the Lord begins to speak. So what should we say? Romans chapter 9 verse 14. So what should we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. We stand here today, we know who God has had mercy on. We know who God has had compassion on. There are those that would say this is a Calvinistic doctrine that God chooses before you're born, whether he's going to have mercy or not have mercy, or he's going to have compassion or not have compassion. And that, that perhaps there's those that are born that just don't have a chance. They don't have a choice. God has already chosen. I don't like you. And if we only had this verse to go by in the, Old, in the New Testament, perhaps it would be right. But instead, I see verses such as this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or, while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Or while we walked, I think this is Ephesians, while we walked according to this world, we were doing it our way. We were, we, we were on a path and we, we, had, we had completely forgotten God and we were fighting unnecessary battles while we were walking on the course of this world. The Lord says, uh, I'll show you mercy. I'll show you compassion. I'm not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Towards the end of Romans chapter 9, you, you have this connection. 
If you go all the way back to Hosea, Hosea is talking, uh, you know, there's this just incredible analogy where God tells Hosea, I need you to go, I need you to go and, and marry this woman. She's going to be unfaithful. She's going to cheat on you. In fact, she's going to play the whore on you, and all of this is going to take place, and, 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 and you're going to have children and, and, and all of this. And, but but I, I need you to show her love even though she's hurt. Because it's a vision of the love that God has when we've failed. There's this phrase in there in Hosea, and it's echoed in Romans chapter 9. It says, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call my beloved. And in the very place where it was said, you're not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. And somewhere in all of that, I want somebody to hear that even though you've walked astray, even though the course of your life has deviated from the plan that God has, even though you fought unnecessary battles, even though you've failed Him and messed up and did it your own way, yes, your life would have been easier. Yes, your life would have been better. Yes, life is... is, is just a whole lot straighter. But the mercy of God is this. That God could have thrown Abraham away. He said, Abraham, you idiot. Because you brought Lot with you, because you did it your way, I'm going to throw you out and I'm never going to care about you again and I'll go find somebody else. But God in his infinite mercy and don't ever let anyone tell you that the Old Testament does not contain mercy because that's a bald faced lie tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about the mercy that's found in the Old Testament but, but God reached down and said Abraham even though you've walked a hard road and even though you've had to fight battles you weren't supposed to fight even though you, 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 you did things your own way and you've got an Ishmael that came out of it I'm not going to forget the promise that I told you I'd make Somebody right now needs to hear the voice of God. He said, I loved you when you were unlovable. And I told you that I loved you. And I told you that I cared for you. And I extended my hand of mercy and I brought you out of that miry clay. And now you've fallen back in there. But I haven't forgot the promise. And I'm here today to tell you that Abraham, you're still the father of the faith. He could have kicked Joshua out of the promised land. He could have said, you moron, why did you make a, 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 a treaty with the enemy? It's done, it's over. I'm going to cause another flood to come. Start all over. But Joshua owned up to his mistake. And Joshua, the Lord said, I, you're going to have to fight some battles you didn't have to fight. God doesn't, he'll forgive you of the sin. He'll forgive you of of the, the transgression in heaven. He'll, he'll erase your name out of the, out, you know, or erase the, the transgressions out of that Lamb's book of life, but you'll have to deal with the consequences. All right? You rob a bank and you come and you repent of your sins and you're baptized, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord doesn't remember that sin, but the uh, federal government and the CIA or the FBI, they might. Okay? You might have to go to jail even though you've been forgiven by the Lord. God says sometimes the path you take, you're just going to have to walk through that path and you're going to have to get through it. 
But I'm telling somebody right here, you need to hear the voice of the Lord. There's mercy today. And the promise that He's promised you. The Bible says there will not fail one word of all that He's promised. Because God doesn't throw the mistakes away. Would you stand? Why don't you just close your eyes for just one moment. While the first part of my message was simply teaching and hopefully maybe somebody going forward won't have to fight unnecessary battles. Maybe somebody going forward will heed the voice of God. The, 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 the thing that God wants to do right now at this moment is He wants to talk to someone who's been doing it your way and you're ready to get out of that you're ready to stop traveling the roads on your own you're ready to start wander, stop wandering on your own and you're ready to come back and I'm telling you there's a, there's a shepherd that's willing to leave the 99 that are in the fold to go find the one that did it his and this morning, that shepherd is reaching. This moment, that shepherd has been following your every step. He's been dogging your trail like a bloodhound on the scent of a criminal. And he has caught up with you at this moment. And he's extending a rod and a staff. And he's going to pick you up and pull you back in if you'll let him. Because he doesn't throw the mistakes away. Father, right now, as, they, as we begin to play and sing, I ask that you would now begin to speak to the hearts of those that are here. And Lord, I'm asking in the precious name of Jesus that as we open these altars and we hallow this place to be a place of prayer, that God, you would begin to speak to hearts and you would begin to speak to minds. And Lord, you would allow those that have strayed, those that have fought the unnecessary battles, you would allow them to come into your presence. Lord, would you put your hands on them and would you let them feel your touch? Let them feel that hand of God on them. Let them hear that, that voice once again. Let them hear that promise once again. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to open these altars. I invite you to take a step out from your pew. I invite you to begin to let the Lord speak to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, would you come? I surrender.